Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. We're in the second half of Genesis 30 tonight. We're going to be talking about let me and my people go. All right, we'll be looking at the latter half of Genesis 30 as Jacob is on his journey of faith and gets to deal with a confrontation with Uncle Laban. Uncle Laban, whom we will find out he has been serving now for some 20 years before he finally makes the break. And of course, when we look at Laban, Laban's an Old Testament character. He's, he's quite a crafty guy, uh, not somebody that we would look up to. But I think that we all have Labans in our life. I don't know who your Labans are. I don't know what they look like. I don't know if your Labans are at work or school or, you know, friendships or a closer relationships than that. But hopefully you're not staring back at Laban in the mirror every morning because that, that's a personal problem. We have counseling for that. So just like uh, grandfather Abraham and his dad, Isaac, Jacob was on a journey of faith He was being shaped and molded by the hand of God, and God allowed Jacob to see himself in his uncle Laban. And it's always an eye-opening experience when you get to see yourself in somebody else, or maybe more precisely here, when you get to see your old self in somebody else. You know, we don't always think about this, but I've been a Christian for almost three decades now, and sometimes we'll run into somebody who's maybe a fairly new Christian or you know, maybe they're way back on their journey of faith, and sometimes, you know, my wife and I will look at each other and we'll like, we'll go like, what is going on? And then we'll just remind ourselves, do you remember where we were when we were first walking with Jesus Christ? Do you remember what a mess it was? Do you remember all the things that the Lord was working in our lives, little by little, one by one, and we just can't forget that we all started somewhere on this journey And for Jacob, Uncle Laban became kind of a shadowy figure of himself, and he was able to see his own sins of the past in Uncle Laban. And I mentioned a few sermons ago how horrible, how terrible and horrible it is when we see someone else committing our sins, but especially when they're committing those sins against us. And that's what Uncle Laban was doing to Jacob. For 20 years, Uncle Laban manipulated Jacob. And really, when you uh, tear back the veil and you take a good look at Uncle Laban, really what he was about was himself. He was about money. That's all he really seemed to care about. In fact, when we watch this, what we might call a, a preview of the Exodus here in the book of Genesis, we can see that Uncle Laban doesn't really seem to care all that much about his daughters and his grandchildren. He cares more about what he's gonna miss out on if Jacob leaves. And Jacob will become Israel. The nation of Israel will come from Jacob. And when I say this is a mini exodus or a preview of the exodus, it's this, that Jacob is going to have to break free from his uncle to walk into the full promises of God. And one of the application points for us tonight is that when we are on this journey of faith, one of the first things, or maybe, you know, maybe sometimes it's at the halfway point, or maybe it just never stops, is that God's gonna call us to break free from our Labans in life. 
He's gonna show you things that are hindering your walk. He's gonna say, look, these are the sins that so easily entangle you and you need to break free from those so that you might run with endurance this race that is marked out for you. That you might fix your eyes not on Laban but on Jesus. You see, what God wants, one of the primary things he wants for his people is for us to be free And Jacob, before he officially is named Israel and before the people of Israel through his family ever end up in Egypt and that whole story unfolds, which is the next book in our Bible, God's already doing a work in Jacob's life. And that's part of what he's doing in your life. He wants you to be free, but not just to be free to be free. He wants you to be free to serve him. He wants you to break free from the Labans in your life so that you might be more available to love other people to serve other people, namely to serve God and glorify him. And so it's for freedom that Christ has set us free, Galatians 5.1. So let's not go back to a life of bondage. In John 8.32, Jesus talks about the truth, and if you know the truth, the truth will what? It will set you free. Jesus is the truth, his word is truth, and he prayed, sanctify them by the truth, your word is truth. God, no doubt, takes us just as we are, but I know we've all noticed he doesn't intend to leave you that way. So grace is an awesome gift, and it's free, and you can't earn it. The price of redemption is done, paid in full. You can't add one thing to it. But redemption is the beginning. Once you get redeemed and you come out of slavery, now God wants to do a work in your life, and he wants to make you a person of worship, a person of service, a person who can bless many people. And one of the beautiful things that God does is he even takes our past, he even takes the messes that we've been through, the decades that we've struggled, and he uses it for our own personal growth and ministry. Last time we were together, if you were with us last Wednesday, we, we had some fun together as we looked at chapter 30, and it was pretty pretty interesting stuff. You know, we saw uh, Jacob, uh, you know, his, his 11 sons now have been born. One is on the way. He will be born later. The last one's gonna be Benjamin. Now he has 11 sons and a daughter through four different women. And we said if we wanted to package this, we could probably sell it to Jer- Jerry Springer. And, uh, you know, it would make some interesting television. And there were, there was these wrestling sisters. You remember the sisters wrestling? And one of them offered Bill Ha, and she said, "Ha, here's Bill Ha." And then there was Zilpa, and Jacob didn't know whether he was coming or going. And then Reuben found the man rakes. This is all review, but he found this plant that seemed to be like a aphrodisiac. And he, "Mommy, look what I found!" And the sisters fought over that. And Jacob was sold back to Leah for one night. I mean, it was just crazy, crazy stuff. But from all that mess comes this, what we might call messianic family, because from this family will come the Messiah. And so Jacob has been struggling, though, you know, with Uncle Laban, he's been, he's been being stretched, man. He's been going through it. And just to, to give you an idea, go to chapter 31 for a second and look at verse 36. Jacob is gonna leave, and when he leaves, Uncle Laban's gonna pursue him. This is a preview of what we'll study next time. Chapter 31, look at verse 36. And just like the Pharaoh pursued Israel in the Exodus, so Laban pursues Jacob when he tries to exit exit Uncle Laban's uh, grip. And this is 31, 36. Then Jacob became angry, 
31, 36. Jacob became angry and contended with Laban, and Jacob answered and said to Laban, what is my transgression? What is my sin that you have hotly pursued me? Though you have felt through all my goods, what have you found of all your household goods? Set it here before my kinsmen and your kinsmen that they may decide between us two. These 20 years I've been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried, nor have I eaten the rams of your flocks, 39. That which was torn of beasts, I did not bring it to you or bring to you. I bore the loss of it myself. You required it of my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Thus I was. By day the, the heat consumed me, verse 40, and the frost by night, and my sleep fled from my eyes. These 20 years that Jacob was under Laban were difficult years. They were tough years. It seems like Uncle Laban never gave this guy a break. He worked hard day and night, and it was no picnic for Jacob. You know, sometimes the perception of Jacob is that he was a bit of a soft guy, and Esau was the man's man. But I tell you what, Jacob went through a lot of stuff, and Jacob became a shepherd. He became one who took care of the flocks and really everything that was under Laban's hand. And he says, uh, notice this, 41, he says, these 20 years I've been in your house, I served you 14 years for your two daughters. And we don't want to talk about that negotiation, do we? And six years for your flock. And you changed my wages 10 times. Uncle Laban was not a guy you could depend on. Some of you can relate to this if you've worked for smaller companies. You know, you may have shown up on one Friday looking for your paycheck and your boss gives you this uh, kind of look like, uh, uh, we don't have the money. And that can be very devastating. Uncle Laban was always changing things. And here Jacob says, if the God of my father, the God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac had not been for me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the toil of my hands, and he, so he rendered judgment last night. Now that's a preview, but that gives you an idea of what Jacob was going through as we return back to chapter 30. Jacob was working hard, but he was enriching Laban. And Laban was doing well because of Jacob's diligence, but also because of Laban's manipulation. I don't know if you are a person tonight that feels like you work in unfair conditions, working conditions, and, you know, it just depends on what kind of company you work for and how that goes. But I know this, that a Christian is supposed to work hard no matter what the conditions may be until God changes your situation. You're called to be faithful. And that's what Jacob did. Jacob worked hard, not just when the boss was looking. Ephesians 6, 7, and 8. Chapter 6, verses 7 and 8 say, don't just try to please your boss when he's watching you, Right? because you work for another. See, ultimately, Jacob knew that he was working for God, and that's the way that we have to reconcile some of these situations, is I'm not just doing this for my boss. If that were the case, I might just say, you know what, I've had enough. But Jacob knew he was living his life for someone much higher than Laban. He was living it for the Lord. Now, we pick up the story in uh, chapter 30, verse 25. Now it came about when Rachel had born Joseph, so Joseph his son, 11, that Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own place and to my own country. Something about the birth of Joseph caused Jacob to finally say, I'm done, I wanna move on. And we do know that Joseph becomes a type of Jesus and pretty much the rest of the book of Genesis will be about Joseph. And Joseph will be the man responsible for saving Israel through a series of events that took some, 
as I recollect, is something like 20 years. Um, And here's what happens. Joseph, by his brothers, gets sold into slavery, and he gets taken off, you know, and he's, he's in this terrible situation. And then he rises in the household of Potiphar, you remember, and he's an impressive guy. And Potiphar entrusts everything to Joseph until Potiphar's wife starts to try to be with Joseph. And she's not subtle. He's just basically, hubby's away, let's, let's be together. Lie with me, lie with me. And Joseph's like, no, I can't do that. I can't sin against God or my master by doing this. And she kept at it and kept at it. And finally, she grabbed his clothing and he ran out of there, you know, naked. And um, she accused him of trying to, to basically rape her. And Joseph ended up in prison. And he had to deal with the fact that he was an innocent man and yet he was tried and convicted. And he was languishing in a prison until it came to be discovered that he was a man who could interpret dreams, you remember? And finally he ends up before the Pharaoh and he tells the Pharaoh what his dream means and he gives the Pharaoh some advice and the Pharaoh says, hey, uh, we've been looking for some good leadership around here (laughs) and there's not a wise man like you that I've met since I've been here. So I tell you what, you're number two in Egypt. And finally, it is Jacob with his family that ends up before Joseph, and Joseph reveals the fact that he's Joseph. They thought he was dead. They didn't recognize him, and Joseph becomes a picture of Jesus. His own brothers rejected him. Many of them pushed him away, and yet he had come to be their salvation, and that's how Joseph, in many other ways, typifies Jesus Christ. And so Joseph comes to Laban and he confronts him. And here's a point uh, for our application tonight. If you want to break free from your Labans, you have to confront them. You have to decide that you're going to deal with your sin or the things that have been uh, weighing you down or the things that have their grip into you. You have to face them. Facing things is hard, isn't it? Uh, When people say, you know, Just face your fears, right? That's an easy thing to say, but it's hard when you're afraid. (laughs) When your fear is fear, it's pretty hard to overcome it. But that's what Jacob had to do. He had to deal with Laban, and and maybe it was hard for him to do this with Laban, I think partly because he wanted to be true to his commitments, but also because Laban was just a very tricky, manipulative guy. But Joseph is born, and Joseph means Jehovah or Yahweh has added, and all of a sudden it's time, and Jacob says, it's time. I want to move to my own place, look at verse 25, and to my own country. In essence, I want to go back to the promised land. And so Jacob now asks for his release, and he says, give me my wives, 26, my children for whom I have served you. Let me depart. If you have the New King James, it says, let me go, for you yourself know my service which I have rendered you. It's time for you to let me go. And when Moses came to the Pharaoh in Egypt, God told Moses, I want you to tell the Pharaoh, what was the line? Let my people go, that they may worship me and serve me. They're not supposed to be serving you, Pharaoh. They're supposed to be serving me. Pharaoh becomes a type of Satan. Egypt is a type of the world And Moses is a type of the deliverer or Jesus. 
And he says, let my people go. And Pharaoh held on to the people. Remember, the early negotiations were, who is this God? I don't know who this God is, and I'm not gonna let your people go. And then the Nile was turned into blood, and then frogs started croaking all around, and there were frogs on your kneading board, and frogs in your bed, and frogs on your head, and there was rivet and rivet and rivet. And on that one, Moses said, hey, Pharaoh, I tell you what. This time you'll get to decide when the frogs go. When do you want the frogs to go? And Pharaoh, in a classic response, said, tomorrow. Just one more night with little froggy rivet. I'm getting used to the sound at night. In fact, he's my alarm clock now. It's just great. Tomorrow? Just one more night with the frogs? But isn't that how sin is, right? And then it, you know, it happens plague after plague after plague. And then Pharaoh, he gets to the point where he says, you know, okay, I admit it, I've sinned. You're more righteous than I, Moses. And it seems like as it gets down the line of the 10 plagues and it gets a little further, he, he becomes a little bit more of a religious kind of guy. He says, uh, Moses, uh, you can go, but... Uh, don't go too far. Go ahead and you, you can sacrifice to your God, but stay within the land. And then there's another dialogue where it's, you can go, but are the little kids gonna go with you too? And the Pharaoh was always trying to find ways to try to release Israel, but not all the way. And that's what sin wants to do. Like, you know, sometimes we feel like, well, can I, can I, can I just get away from it a little bit? I don't want to actually cross the border of freedom. I'll stay within you know, the lines of the state. No, 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 no. It's time to be free. And Laban becomes a type of the Pharaoh, which you know, is a head, at least in our context as we study the book of Genesis. And he says, look, I want my wives and I want my children and I want to leave. It's time to go. Let my people go. But Laban said to him, verse 27, there's always a but, right? And here's Laban. But Laban said to him, if now it pleases you, stay with me. I can't help but when I see that phrase, but think of Shrek. <laughs> stay with me. <laughs> Won't you stay with me? If it now pleases you, stay with me. I have divined. I've, the King James and New King James learn, say learn by experience, but the word here is divine and it's nakash, and we'll talk about it in a second. But here's Uncle Laban's response. Okay, that was a passionate speech, Jacob. It sounds great. You want to go. Okay, you want to go. I understand. You know, you got your family. You got a country. You got a promised land that God's promised to you. But just stay. Just stay with me because I've divined something. I've learned that the Lord has blessed me on your account. And you know, that's really worked out well for me. So I'd prefer that you stay because things are going well for me. So let's talk about how we can keep you here for me. Ever had a dialogue like that? And you're like, how did that get turned around again? <laughs> Weren't we just talking about me and me leaving? No, you see, I've, uh, you know, I don't know what he did, but we're gonna find out later that um, one of his daughters, I think it's Rachel, steals Laban's household idols. He had household idols. He had little, little idols in his house. And we might think, well, Laban was, wasn't he a worshiper of Yahweh? Apparently not fully. He had idols in his life. And somehow he divined that he was being blessed because of Jacob. And I say, that sounds a little weird, doesn't it? 
Well, see the word divine in, in most of your versions that you've got out there. It's nakash. Let me spell it for you. In English, we spell it N-A-C-H-A-S-H, nakash. The word means properly to hiss. You can even say it with a hiss. Nakash or whisper. And in fact, the word, or at least a close version of the word, was used for the serpent in Genesis 3 who was more crafty than all the creatures the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God really said? Right? This sneaky kind of crafty thing. And here's what Laban says. Hey, man, I, I don't know if, if you know, there was an ancient form of tarot cards back in the day or what they did. But somehow he got some information, at least this is what he says, that he's being blessed because Jacob is blessed by God. And he says, look, I, I divine this information and, and that's why I'm being blessed. It's because of you that I'm a blessed man. Um, you know what? Unbelievers can recognize the blessing of God on believers' lives. Ever been in that situation? Maybe you work for a company and your boss says, you know, you're... You're a real spiritual guy, and boy, business is up since you've been working here, and I don't know, quite know what to make of it, but could you talk to the man upstairs a little bit more for the company? I mean, you see, even unbelievers are terribly pragmatic. I don't know if you've noticed. If something works, they don't really care where it's coming from. All they care about is that it's working, right? And so, you know what? I Things are working out well ever since you've been here. Do you know that... Uh, in the ancient world, the serpent was viewed as possessing mystical wisdom as a demonic and hostile creature. And through much of Egypt's history, the pharaoh actually wore a cobra made of metal on the front of his headdress as a symbol of his sovereignty. The, the serpent or the nakash was tied to even ancient Egypt. And remember when Moses had the, the rod that became the rod of God and and he threw it down and it became a serpent. And you remember that the, the uh, Egyptian uh, magicians were able to duplicate that? How they did it, we don't know. We don't know if it was the occult. We don't know if it was some sort of trick. But do you remember what happened? Moses' serpent, serpent swallowed the serpents of the magicians. A glorious scene. If you've seen the movie, The Ten Commandments, how many of you have seen the movie? Praise the Lord. Mandatory viewing, by the way. Uh, it's an awesome scene, and there's shock <laughs> on, the, on the faces of everybody in Pharaoh's court. So you had insects, you had uh, things hopping around in Egypt, you had uh, locusts come down, but each time something happened to the Pharaoh, he released his grip, but he didn't want to fully let them go. And Jacob is kind of a preview of that exodus. And each of us are on a journey each of us are on an exodus and there's things that want to keep their grip on us. And God says, no, I want you to be free from that stuff to serve me. So here's the dialogue. Uncle Laban says, look, you know, you've been a blessing around here, young man. Let's talk. And he said, uh, he continued, he said, name me your wages and I will give it. <laughs> Can you imagine this? Uncle Laban, you've changed my wages 10 times, man. I don't, even, I don't even care if you put something in writing. I don't think this is going to be a good career move for me. I've, in fact, I've heard this before. Because early on when, when there was a dialogue between Uncle Laban and Jacob, do you remember? Uncle Laban said, oh, you're a fine young man. Too bad you're broke. But you're a fine young man. You've been here for 30 days. Things are getting a little long. So, hey, let's talk. Name your wages, boy. 
And Jacob said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Did I speak that clearly? Seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Recorded in scripture. That was the dialogue. But what did Uncle Laban do? Snuck in the older daughter. Apparently, the wage thing is not always something you can count on with Uncle Laban, right? So when Jacob hears this, you know, maybe Jacob's got a little gray hair now. He's, he's learned some stuff about his uncle. You know, you have some people tell you some things, and how seriously I take a person really depends on their integrity. If somebody's burned me a hundred times and I can't depend on their word anymore, I'm going to take what they say with a grain of salt. Amen? Maybe you've been hearing these messages about becoming a new creation in Christ, but you're not sure that you know him. Well, the Bible encourages us that now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. And so don't put it off because the Bible tells us we don't even know what a day will bring. So trust in him now. The Bible says that we need to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead and we will be saved. You know, we see this reality in the scriptures of repentance and faith. Turning away from our sin, which is repentance, it literally means to do a 180 and turn away from sin and turn to God to do it his way instead of our way. And faith is a word in Greek which means to put our trust in, to entrust ourselves to Christ. Now when we do that, we're trusting in his person, his finished work on the cross, and his resurrection, and, and trusting in him and him alone for our salvation. And that's how you become a Christian. You turn from sin and you turn to God through Jesus Christ. Hey folks, when you're doing radio, you know, it's a little hard to tell sometimes who's listening. And we would really like to know if the program has been a blessing to you and has impacted your life. And here's how you can get word to us. Go to livingtruthradio.org, livingtruthradio.org. And in the contact form, let us know that you're listening. Let us know who you are, what station you listen on, how the program's impacted your life, and even how we can pray for you. That'd be a great blessing to us. And if there's something that you want to put there that we can use to encourage other radio listeners to say, hey, Pastor Michael, this is how the program's impacted me, and you are welcome to use this to uh, encourage other radio listeners. So that'd be a blessing to us. Go to livingtruthradio.org in the contact form. Just let us know who you are. Thank you so much. We appreciate you listening. Pray for us. Tell a friend about what you're hearing on this broadcast. And we'll catch you next time on Living Truth Radio. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry, and we have an opportunity to expand our reach. We exist to build up believers and reach out with the gospel to others. And we need you, our listening family, to partner with us in prayer and in giving in order to do that. You can give in a couple different ways. One way is to go online to livingtruthradio.org. Or you can send in your offering to Living Truth Christian Fellowship, 1009 Arsenal Way, Corona, California, 92880. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the Church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at Living Truth Corona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. 
You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.